All right, would you please pray with me? Dear God in heaven, we thank you for this evening that we can gather together, uh, a last evening for the spring, and and already looking forward to the the eagerness of the summer. I know that uh, many of us here are looking at graduation very soon, and and all the the excitement and the opportunities that that brings. And I pray that we would continue to be faithful as we go forward in whatever direction that you have for us and that we would be instructed even by your word. I pray that you would um, grant me help and self-control and how I speak. And, and may nothing come from my mouth that isn't of you and for your glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have been thinking about this message for a long time. Um, if you read the email, you I'm surprised actually that anybody's here. Um, I was expecting just to speak to leaders, um, but that's okay. If you, if you read the email, I want to um, explain my reasons for a certain rule in my retreat rule book. Um, I've been thinking about this since winter retreat because um, a lot has gone on in, in my life and in my thinking about this, and I just wanted to kind of think out loud. Um, and by the way, I mean, I, I titled the message in the email, you know, let's talk about rule number five because I wanted to intrigue you all without letting your parents know what we were talking about. No, that's not what I was trying to do. Uh, but I knew that would communicate enough to you. But you could almost name this message and this is more sobering and serious, how to destroy or how to ruin youth group for everyone. Um, that's what this message could be titled. And so I want to I talk about this. Now, I want to be clear also about why. I mean, in, in one sense, in one sense, it's, it's kind of a, just a response, I suppose. But I didn't really want it to be just a, a response to things that, that were happening. I actually really want this to be kind of a direction setter for you guys. Um, I don't want to just be telling you what not to do, but I want to tell you what direction I want us to go as a group. And I intentionally wanted to wait until the very last Thursday of the spring semester so it was as close as possible to summer camp. And it's far removed from winter retreat. So it's like, that's all behind us. Let's look at the future. And especially, I wanted to talk to you guys before the seventh graders came in. Because this is an issue that I want to address with you, not with them. So I want you to be very clear in your own minds that I'm talking to you. And, and I want that to be helpful. And I want this to be encouraging and, and not necessarily discouraging for you. So um, please... Uh, Pray with me and for me as I speak, as a famous uh, a former um, teacher of mine used to say. And just to say, this is what we're going to do, okay? So we're going to explain. I'm going to explain my reasons for rule number five. But before I get to rule number five, I want to address some potential misunderstandings or confusions about rule number five. First misunderstanding or confusion about rule number five what is rule number five? I don't remember what rule number five is. I'll clarify it. This is from the uh, summer camp retreat uh, book. It's rule number five. And there's other rules before it. Rule number one, what is it? Obey, Obey all rules. B- rule number two is what? Of rule number one. A rule number three is what? No, that's rule number four. Uh, rule number five is what? Obey leaders. Rule number four is? The, the, the true schedule is in David's mind. 
Rule number six. Anybody know rule number six? Do not write on the walls with crayons, seeing as how it's difficult to erase. That's my favorite one. Uh, rule number, what are we on, seven? Anybody know? I don't even remember what seven is. Anybody remember? Anybody? Don't do anything stupid. Don't do anything stupid. That's kind of like the gist of all of them. But respect the property. Respect the property. Yeah, maybe. Okay, well, anyway. My favorite one's the crayon one. Um, rule number five, though, is as I have worded it in the past and might reword in the future, no romance outside of marriage. Now, let me first begin with some addressing some mis conceptions, further misconceptions. That was kind of a joke misconception. Um, another misconception that might be had is um, about rules in general. Maybe some of you are on the opposite side of this, where you're like, David, I don't know why you don't just make massive rules and uh, kick out everybody that doesn't obey. That would solve this problem right now. Um, and just honestly, I don't believe a simple rule will solve the problem. So I don't actually believe by writing this rule that it will magically make this issue go away, like you guys are going to stop liking one another, right? I I don't actually believe that. But I I do believe that rules like this and situations like this help you see the abundance of your heart, right? And that's actually what I'm more interested in. I want to talk to you about your, your, your heart and what you love. And, and following the, like a, well, I'll do a second misconception because the first one was a joke. A second misconception about rule number five is, is maybe another perspective that some of you have that, uh, hey, the best youth group in the world would be a youth group where none of this ever happens. <laughs> like, this would be the best youth group ever if nobody liked anybody. I don't necessarily believe that's realistic. I don't know if I necessarily uh, think that is true. Once again, I want you, I want you to understand my attitude and the spirit and the attitude of all of us leaders as well. We want to talk to you about these things. We don't want to hide these things in the closet and say, you may never speak of these things. (laughs) No, we actually really want to talk to you about these things because this is where your heart and your life is. So I would say it would be the worst youth group in the world where these things are never talked about, but in a certain context. And I'll explain that in a minute. That's another misconception. These things are things that we need to talk about, right? Because this is where your world and God's word intersect. So we want to talk about these things as as leaders with you. Another misconception, maybe someone might say, this is my favorite. Because another youth pastor allows it. (laughs) No names. (laughs) He and their youth group must be right, or he knows what's best for me. And and it might be true. He he might be wiser than me. And 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 I'm not going to address the person involved. But I think he was being a little bit. um, I think he wasn't joking with me intentionally to try to ruffle me because that's kind of the relationship we have but i would tell you you know maybe there are other youth groups in the world other youth pastors in the world other pastors in the world other parents in the world that say yeah you should date as many people as you want you should pursue these things as much as you want but i would also tell you that those people are not your pastor and they're not your parents and i would also say that they don't know you 
like your parents and your pastor knows you. They don't pray for you like your pastor and your parents pray for you. So who are you going to trust for spiritual discernment in your life? Are you going to trust people that don't pray for you or people that do? That would be just just a little pushback on that. Um, but I do think it was kind of a joke on his part. I don't think he would actually want... Um, everybody to be constantly dating everybody he just wants everybody to marry everybody uh, just to clarify um, uh, misconception number four that maybe some of you have in reading through my list of retreats rules this rule is just a joke I mean how many of how many of my rules are jokes and maybe I should go through my rules and like scratch all the jokes out of them so nobody thinks they're a joke I admit rule number one and rule number two are kind of jokes rule number Six is definitely a joke. You know, there, there are some jokes in there, but I want you to be clear that I am very serious about these rules. And I want you to understand the rules I'm serious about and the rules I'm not serious. If, if you can't figure out which ones I'm serious about, then talk to me about it. I'm actually really serious, and, I'm be, and I want you to be very serious about this. I want you to be very sober-minded about this issue. And my aim is to treat this with utmost seriousness and soberness, right? That's, that's, that's where I want to go as a pastor. I want to treat this very seriously. And once again, the spirit and the attitude that I have is not, I never want to hear about these things. The best youth group ever is where this doesn't happen. No, I want, I want to deal with these things out loud with you because I want to think through them because they're very serious issues. Or another misconception, number five on my list, maybe number 20 on yours, um, it doesn't apply to what I'm doing. I'm not pursuing romance outside marriage. I don't even know what that phrase means. So it doesn't apply to what I am doing. And I just want to clarify for you all, yes, it does. Let me give you some examples of to where this rule applies. Maybe you're saying to yourself, I'm just thinking about her all the time. That's all I'm doing. I would actually say this rule very much applies to that situation. Maybe you're saying, I'm just trying to maneuver my camp experience to kind of constantly be interacting with him. To that person, this rule would also apply. Um, maybe you're saying, I'm, just going, I'm not going to talk to him, but I'm going to talk about him to my closest, dearest friends. That's all I'm going to do. To that person, this rule would also apply. I don't want you to seek those things in, in that way. And now I'm going to be very clear about um, what I mean by that. Uh, but I, I would say this rule definitely applies to you, how you pursue those things. Those things are exactly what I'm talking about. Or how about this misconception? This rule is not fairly enforced. This is kind of maybe a pushback. Maybe you think it's, it's unfairly enforced on you and nobody else. You're just focusing on me, David, and nobody else. Um, that might be true. I, I don't know. I'm trying to deal with it as I see it, and I'm trying to deal with it fairly and kindly and gently. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to single people out. But I, but I will say, I tend to take notice more the more public it is and, and the more... Uh, Implications it can spread on the rest of the youth group, right? You you have an opportunity to be an example for good or or for evil, and, and if I see you as somebody that can really present a really a really powerful example to everybody else, I'm going to challenge you on it. And also, if you're a, if you're a Christian, I'm also going to challenge you on things more 
than if you're a non-Christian. So yeah, maybe I do single some people out. I'm more favorable towards some, but that's not my my intent to be unfair in any of that. Or how about this misconception? And I and I I don't know if any of you have these misconceptions. These are just what I assume that you have. This misconception is David doesn't want me to find my future husband or wife in this youth group. That is actually not what I want. And and I'll show you in a little bit maybe a surprising a surprising little nugget about me in a minute. One one more misconception for you that maybe you have because I know I did when I was your age. Pastor David by making this rule is trying to ruin all of my fun at this retreat. And to that person, I would respond, yes. I am trying to ruin your life. But no, <laughs> not, not really. I, I would also say that um, if you do this wrongly, it will ruin your retreat. If you re- pursue these things, it will ruin your life. And I don't want you to ruin your life. I want you to live for the glory of God as much as you can. And I want you to use your advantage here in youth group to, to the max for his glory and not be distracted in that. So those are some misconceptions. Maybe that's helpful. Maybe that presents a whole bunch more misconceptions. But let's get into some of my reasons now. This is kind of my positive reasons. I sat down with my pen and I wrote out a few reasons for why I have this rule. And I scratched out some of them because they weren't good reasons. And I was left with just a few reasons. And these reasons I actually would I would stand firm on. These are my reasons for why this rule is important to me, and I'm actually very serious about it. And this is how I'm going to approach things in the future, just so you know. Uh, my reasons for rule number five. Rule, uh, reason number one. This is not why we're here. This is not why we're here. And, and remember here, the context here is very specific I almost wanted to preach just specifically on, like, I I make these rules for retreats specifically. But you could apply it, I suppose, to all of youth group. But but really, for retreats, for youth group, for anything, however you want to apply it, this is not why we are here. Now, I just want to remind you, tomorrow evening, here in this building, we are doing a fundraiser. You know what parents are going to be doing? They're going to be bringing you their kids so that you can watch them for three hours and make money. Why? So that you can go to camp this summer. Why? So that you can hear God's word and be sanctified. So that you can learn to love God's word. You can love God's preached word. So that you can learn to love fellowship. So that you can grow in your relationship with your small group leader. So that you can develop strong relationships here in youth group. So it's harder for you to leave or harder for you to skip a youth group night in the middle of the fall sometime. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to put fertilizer in your life so that your roots are deep here in the word of God. That's why we do summer camp. That's why we do winter retreat. Parents are giving for this. People in the church are giving generously for those reasons. For you to grow in your sanctification. For you to grow in your examination of your life. For you to to develop strength and assurance. For you to grow in all of these things. And and that's what I'm after. That's really what I'm after. And I want to ask you, is, is that what you're after? Now, I totally get it then not all of you are after those things when you come to 
uh, summer camp. But that's what I'm after. And so that's why I put this rule. Because I, I find you can be focused on one or two things. You'll, you'll be focused on God or you'll be focused on who you can, you know, have a relationship with. And I, and I really want to encourage you. And I know it's imperfect and I know you struggle with it. And, I'm, and I understand that. But I want to encourage you from the outset of the retreat. Remember why we are here. We are here to learn God's word. We're here to focus on one another. We're not here to isolate ourselves with someone. We're here for God, to be with God, and to be with God's people. This is my number one reason. Uh, Reason number two, such relationships, and by relationships I'm referring to high school relationships, particularly relationships that uh, are a weekend long. Such relationships are easy to start and hard to to stop. Such relationships are easy to start and hard to stop. You, you need to take some self-control and realize that you can let your feelings and your affections take over an entire retreat and totally dominate you all retreat long. And, and to be honest, this, this whole point is kind of just kind of wanting to put um, something back in front of your eyes that you've probably already heard. I found Pastor Steve's uh, reasons for how to awaken love from Song of Solomon very helpful because it shows you something. It shows you that um, romance and interests and all these things are easy to awaken and very hard to stop once they are. So I'm going to just jump over to Song of Solomon here really quick. Song of Solomon chapter... Eight. It's uh, Song of Solomon, chapter eight, is coming to the end of the book, the end of the song. Solomon writes this, but it's in the voice of someone else. It's this: I adjure you, eight four eight four. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Of course, here this is talking about. Two different things, stirring up, that's you personally causing something to happen, and then awakening, that is the result of you stirring up something, right? That, that's both of the things that are going on, right? It, stirring up, and then it's being awakened. And, and, and stirring up, uh, in this verse here, it seems to be very easy to do, right? It is very easy to do, so easy that the, they have... They have these repeated calls through the book of Song of Solomon urging young people, particularly young women particularly, be very careful not to stir this up and awaken this. Why? Because it's, it's very easy to do. And it's very hard to undo. Matter of fact, the sense of the context here is be careful. And actually, this was a very surprising thing to me in the Song of Solomon series. Love is hard. Love is difficult. Love takes a lot of work. If you are ready for a romantic relationship, you better be ready to work really hard. Because it takes a lot of self-control. And it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of, a lot of work. It's heavy. It is hard. It is a burden. So you should be careful not to stir it up until you're ready to do something about it. You should take you take responsibility in that way. And and Steve gave us these these list of six things to light the fuse of love. And I want to just put them back in front of your eyes, just for the fun of it, and to give you. I know you're going to love this. Some real no, not real life. Uh, no, just some you know, just kind of help you connect the dots between 
how this happens at youth group and retreats. I mean, in, in one sense, I think Steve gave this in the context of, you know, this is how you awaken love in a marriage. You should pursue these things if you're married. But I want to remind you how easy it is to do these things outside of marriage at the wrong time. What is the, the way to, to awaken or light the fuse of love? Well, number one, to remind you, pondering the other. This comes from chapter 1, verse 2. Pondering the other, thinking about the other. Um, let me kiss, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. What is she doing here? She is thinking about Solomon. This is awakening love. When you think about someone this way, you start to like them more. That's how it works. That is how it works. When you, when you think about them as you're going to sleep, when you think about them when you wake up, you will grow an attachment for that person, right? Now, now, you, you know how this works, right? You, you come home from retreat, your parents ask you how did the retreat go, and you're like, it was great. It's a great retreat. You walk up to your room, and you're like, it was great because of that guy and that girl. You know, that's, that's pondering them, and you start thinking about them and associating them with a good retreat or a bad retreat. Did I, did I meet somebody? Or how about this, number two, another way to light the fuse of love, publicly making your desires known, and this comes from chapter 1, verse 4. And this is poetic language. I'll try to connect it for you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The kings have brought me. The king has brought me into his chamber. Here's an idea of publicly making your affections known. And of course, right here, what we have is we have uh, one person in the two-person relationship letting the other person know that they're kind of interested. Right? They're having what we call a DTR. Hey, I'm ready. Draw me after you, right? That's, that's what's going on here. And how does this happen? This might not happen by necessarily you letting the other person know, but I think this also can happen. This also happens in your mind and in your heart when you let other people know about how you feel. That has in itself a way of awakening and stirring on your own interest when you let somebody else know. There's a, there's a massive difference between the way you feel about somebody before you tell anybody and after you tell someone. And you should be very careful with that. That has a way of awakening love. Or how about number three, uh, proximity to the other person. When you spend a lot of time with the other person, that creates interest and it starts to light a fuse. And once again, let me remind you, this is a good thing. These are wonderful things. We're going to see where this takes us. This is a God-designed thing to, know, to have, this ability. But notice what Solomon says here. In the voice of she, in chapter 1, verse 7, Tell me, you whom my soul loves, where, where you pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like one who veils herself besides the flocks of your companions? Now, once again, it's poetic language. But basically, what uh, the woman is saying here is, I want to be with you. And that will stir up and awaken love. And, and we need to be careful about this, right? Because... Especially here at Youth Group, we spend a lot of time together. It's very easy to get very interested in someone else in this group. And, and that could be a really good thing, potentially, because that's God's plan. But you need to be very careful, because this could stir up something. And particularly on retreats, all weekend long, proximity to one another could be very dangerous to you there. Or how about number four? 
praises of the other. And of course, this is coming from chapter 4, verse 1. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. You are beautiful. Now let me just tell you something. Nothing, nothing warms the heart of someone like being praised, right? That will, that will draw you to someone else very easily, particularly if it's a girl and a guy, particularly if uh, the girl or the guy are already insecure in themselves. Having someone praise them, having someone like them is very powerful in drawing them to them. So you need to be careful about that. And of course, once again, this is leading somewhere. Number five, uh, uh, progressive serious talk. These are Steve's titles, not mine. That's why they sound so smart. Uh, Progressive serious talk. In chapter two, Verse 14, Oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Now, once again, what's going on here, I really like the way Pastor Steve explained it, right? They are talking about all the difficulties that they are going to face in the future. They're like, this relationship is going to be hard because of this problem and this problem. That's a progressively serious conversation about the relationship. Now, this happens anytime you are talking about your relationship with somebody else. That gets really serious really fast. Once again, going back to my old college days, there was this one table in the dining room, and it was called the DTR table because it only had room for two seats. So we knew whoever was sitting there was having a conversation about themselves, defining the relationship. That's what it's called. And, and you will progress quickly if you acknowledge it to one another. That's just the nature of the way God made And of course, this all leads to something else. Number six, professed sexual desire. Suddenly you start feeling something for someone. You you start to want to be with them. And suddenly physical desires and urges come along with that. Like chapter 2, verse 16. And now this is once again poetic language. It's um, a little opaque here, but we get the gist of what's going on. My beloved is mine and I am his. He grazes among the lilies, right? She is romantically interested in him and desiring him. This is where it goes. Now, once again, this is a good thing. God made you this way to make you desire and work for marriage because you want to be with someone else and you want to spend time with that person. But the simple, the simple problem is, for you, you can't do this. Because you are not ready to be married. You do not have the ability to support or care for someone else. You're still in your parents' house until you're 18. So there, there really isn't much you can do with this. But what will happen if you awaken these desires, they will naturally lead to this eventual end. And then you will be struggling with something that is very serious in Scripture. That is sexual immorality, right? That's what God designed to happen. And that's why, just in in love and kindness, we try to kind of stop it and slow it down. Say, hey, focus on something else. Be very cautious not to start something that you can't do anything about right now. And it's particularly why I put these rules on retreats, because this is a time where these things can happen very quickly. It's, It's easy to start. It is very hard to stop. That is another reason. Reason number three, reason number three, such relationships are too heavy for you. Such relationships are too heavy for you. This is why I have a rule. I honestly believe you, you shouldn't 
bear these things right now. Now, let me be clear. Marriage is wonderful. Marriage is great. I love being married. But it is also heavy. I want you guys to understand this. Matter of fact, I want you guys to have adjectives in your mind when you think about a romantic relationship. Instead of just romantic relationship, put another adjective in the place of romantic. Put, put this adjective also, because this is also true about romantic relationships. They are heavy and serious. They are heavy and serious. Once again, back to Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 4, right? Don't awaken, don't stir this up. This takes work, this takes time, this takes sweat. And to be quite frank, if you're too young, do you have the spiritual wherewithal to take this work, take this time, take this sweat? It's actually a grace to you to not have to deal with these things right now. Because it takes a lot of work. It is difficult. It takes a lot of spiritual strength to do it well. And I would also say this. Would those who know you best think that you are ready to handle the burden that is a relationship? It takes a lot of self-control. It takes a lot of discipline. Right? Because what, 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 what you're trying to do is, is, is you want to be together with this person for forever. You want to live with them. You want to be able to provide for them if you're a man. It takes, it is a burden. It's heavy. Or how about this adjective that you could put there instead of romantic? Put this adjective. It is fiery. This is similar to the other point, right? Once it starts, it moves very fast. The more immature you are, the faster the fire moves. Right? That's how you can think about it. You're the, the more immature you are, the drier your forest is, and the faster the fire sweeps through it and moves you and progresses you through those steps very quickly. It is heavy. It is fiery. It is serious. And I, as your pastor, am frankly concerned for your own spiritual good if you seek these things before you are ready, before you are physically ready, before all of these other things. I think it often reveals... A naiveness about your own maturity and how, how aware you are of your own immaturity. For, for example, there are these particular passions that the Bible refers to as the passions of the youth. Uh, you have certain passions that are difficult and you need to be guarded against. And we need to be careful about it. Of course, I'm referring to 2 Timothy 2.22. Sorry. Uh, Paul says this to Timothy. Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with all those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. Now, in context, uh, Paul is speaking to Timothy and he's urging him to, to put on godliness so that he can be an honorable instrument of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I think we can uh, apply out this basic idea with the sense of, you know that there are, there are some sins that you struggle with, particularly because you are young. And that that you need to take into consideration when you consider pursuing someone else. Am I spiritually mature enough to be able to handle the temptations and the difficulties of this relationship? And I was just thinking off the top of my head, and I also talked to a few leaders as well, what are the passions of the youth for a young guy and a young girl? So I'm just going to read through this list. This is not exhaustive. This is just what I see and what others sometimes see in themselves. 
With a young woman, there's, there's certain youthful passions that are difficult that she must overcome if she wants to be ready for marriage. There's a quickness often to be critical of others in, in her mind. There is often uh, recklessness with the tongue. It's also from the mind, but it's a recklessness with the tongue, and it's often for the sake of a relationship. And this is another one for a young woman. There's a recklessness generally about her for the sake of relationship. She'll do reckless things to maybe get in with someone or because she's mad with somebody else. There's a, there's a general recklessness in her treatment. Or there's another... There's another possible passion that is frequent in a young woman. There is a heavy fear of peer approval. There, there is an intense self-focus. There is a debilitating vanity where she is constantly looking at herself and the externals of herself and valuing those more than the internal things and the things that God sees. There is that temptation in a young woman. There's also a resistance often and rebellion to discipline in her life, whether that's from parents or somebody else. There's also oftentimes a love of control. Now, I might be off base on you, but that's just a list that I had received and was given help with. And I do think that is often the case. This is a lot to overcome in a young woman. I would suggest that you women seek to kill those sins and the heart that's behind those sins because those will ruin a relationship for you and it will cause foolishness in a relationship if they're not dealt with. But how about a young man? How about a young man? What are the weaknesses, the, the passions particular to a young man? I got some help from J.C. Ryle and myself on this one. <laughs> Laziness, lack of discipline, resistance to hard things. This one was mine. Too much free time. The young man honestly needs less time in his day. Or this one. A love of pleasure. An addiction to entertainment. A fear of boredom. So you go do something stupid. A fear of difficulty. A reluctance to think. A boredom of thinking. A lack of seriousness in his mind. An arrogance towards danger. An overconfidence in all of life's circumstances. I can handle anything. It doesn't matter. I'll, I'll survive. I jumped off my house one time and I survived. Surely I can jump off this skyscraper now and survive. <laughs> There's just general immaturity in the young man. He's immature in his use of strength. He doesn't know how to use it. He's immature in his youth of, use of passion. He depends on it and follows it way too much. He's immature in his abilities. He doesn't use them for the right things. He uses them for selfish things. This is a young man and that's a young woman. And what happens when when you get a young man and a young woman that are, that are bound up in such passions like that, you have a recipe for destruction. That's why you should be careful. You should seek maturity. You should seek sanctification because this will absolutely destroy you. A relationship is too heavy for you. You can't handle that now. You've got plenty of things to handle in your life right now. You don't need another big burden in your life. And I, I do believe that. Or here's, here's another one. Number four. Such a relationship can ruin a really good thing. It can ruin a really good thing. What, what, do, I, what do I mean? I, I want to be clear. I'm not, 
I'm not opposed to you finding your future somebody here. I would take great joy and pleasure in that thought, actually. Here in my youth group, they found, they, they found the love of their life. But I'm more concerned about your spiritual good right now. Because you'll never get to that point if you do not deal with your sin and you do not grow spiritually Now, it could ruin a really good thing. What am I opposed to? I'm opposed to two things that could be ruined. I'm opposed to you wasting the time that you have been given now to pursue such things like that. I really do. I think right now you have been given a moment in your life that you'll never get back. You have been given a moment to hear God's word and to be sanctified in God's truth as a single person before you add a relationship to the mix. You have been given a phenomenal opportunity to grow spiritually like never before, to love other people, to grow to love worship, to love God's Word, to learn to use your spiritual gifts, and to serve God freely, freely. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, the single person is free to serve the Lord. That's the time you have been given now. And how about you have that attitude? Right now, I am called to singleness today. And I have an opportunity in that. But you waste that when you spend all of your time pursuing such things. That's what I want, right? I want this season of your life to be a cause of stability and strength for the glory of God. And I don't want you to waste that time. You'll be a man ready to carry others. And you'll be a woman ready to strengthen others. Don't you want that? I want that for you. So yes, I'm concerned that you could perhaps ruin this opportunity that God has given you. But another thing, and I want to be equally as clear. I'm also opposed to relationships now. Because I think those exact relationships could potentially be wonderful in the future, right? I actually think you you could meet someone here that could end up being the person you're with, but it will ruin that relationship's chance to get off the ground if you pursue it right now in an immature way, in a foolish way, when you should be pursuing something else. I'm actually very okay with you liking other people, if I could say it that way as long as you're choosing to like them in the right way and pursue them in the right way. If you're interested in how I would outline that process for you, you can talk to me. You and your parents can talk to me, and I will walk you through that with joy. But let me sum it up like this, so you kind of get a gist of what I would expect from you if you think you're in a position to do that. What I would say... If, if you right now are beginning to be interested in someone, what I would say would be healthy in your life would be to have maximum visibility of you and your heart and your desires before those people who are spiritually responsible for you and to have minimum visibility to those who have no spiritual responsibility for you. So what am I saying? Maximum visibility to your parents, minimum visibility to your peers and to this youth group. Because that is how you're actually going to make it work. 
And that's how you could actually do it if you want to do it. Now, really what I'm after, what I'll tell you is, okay, if you want this thing to work, you got to cool it right now. you got to step on the brake right now. you got to do everything you can to not let this thing get out of control because it can get out of control real, real fast. Now, if you're going to come back to me and say, you want me to talk to my parents about this? That will completely shut down the conversation. Well, that's your answer. That you're not spiritually ready. You're, the person that is spiritually responsible for you does not think you are ready. That is your answer. But if you can give maximum visibility to those people who are spiritually responsible for you, myself included, your parents, and if you can give minimum visibility to others in this youth group, maybe even the person you're interested in, that would be the only way I would be comfortable in seeing it pursued. But this leads me to one more, and this is just something I want to emphasize, particularly to you older people. And this really is really is just a final reason, and I'm talking specifically to those of you who love this group. Love it. The older students who love it. You may, as an older student, be weeks away Weeks away from being gone from this youth group. You may, as an older student, be a year or so away from being honestly able to pursue a serious relationship like nothing else. You may be able to even be married in a year. It's happened. But I want you to know that your actions here in this group are serious. This is my point. Such a relationship now, if you pursue it now, and make it very visible in this youth group, will ruin other people as well. That's why I don't want you to pursue these things at youth retreat. Not necessarily because I don't trust you. Because I know what these kinds of things do. They, they spread like fire. Your actions are followed. And let me just ask you an honest question. Are you comfortable with 7th graders following the example that you are setting in youth group? Are you comfortable with your little siblings following your relationship example in youth group? Be someone worthy to be followed, because they will, particularly if it's something that they want. Now, let me just say, this is a very practical, a practical reason. Our group is a different kind of group. We're not just a high school group. We are 7th grader through 12th grader. That is a massive span of age. The, the person at 12th grade is a very different person than the person at 7th grade. But we all agree to give up a little bit of ourselves in order to serve one another and hear the word of God and to enjoy one another and take maximum benefit from this season we've been given in our life. We all, in some way, shape, or form, go without things that maybe we could do in order to pursue things together, right? And that's really the reason that I want you to have in your heart. I want you to not pursue these things for the sake of others in the group, because your example will be followed. Let me give you a little point in closing about the spirit of the Christian. It says this in Philippians 2, verse 3. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Why? You have this mind in yourselves because it is yours in Christ Jesus. Right? 
As a Christian, you have a spirit that says, I am not going to seek all of my interests now if it means something detrimental is going to happen in the lives and hearts of other people that will follow my example. Notice what he says there in verse 3. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. Very interesting words. Rivalry means you do things that harm others because of an innate selfishness. The LSB says selfish ambition, right? I don't care what this does to other people. I just want to pursue what I want to pursue. And that's the, the next word as well, conceit. You, you think of yourself as better than other people, and therefore you're, you're willing to, to do whatever you want because you consider yourself and your interests more important than others. And w- once again, a very practical reason here. We are in a group that is very broad, And this is why I'm not talking to the seventh graders, I'm talking to you. When they come, what kind of example will you set? What kind of a group do we have here? What do we go after? What are we pursuing? I want want us to be a group that pursues not just personal interests, but sanctification, God's word, God's glory, and love for one another, genuine love for one another. So maybe I should change the rule. It's a little bit too vague, too much, too much mistakes and no romance outside of marriage. Here, I'll change the rule to this. Ready? This will be very clear. Be stirring up, not stirred up. Very clear. No, it's not clear at all. You are not to further... Romantic interests, why? Because we're here to stir up one another, as Hebrews 10 would say, to love and good deeds. Be stirring one another up to love and good deeds. Don't be stirred up to uh, interests and affections that you're not ready for. Be stirred up, not stirred up. Let's pray. Dear God. We thank you for this time, and we pray that we'd be humble in how we receive it. We'd be wise in how we apply it, and we'd be meek in how we'd hear it. I pray that if anything is unhelpful, that you'd help us in talking through it here in small group time. And I pray that we would truly have a heart that is willing to set aside our our own interests so that we can can seek the interests of others, and, and more than that. I pray that you would use this time in our, in our youth group and even this, this summer and this summer camp coming to truly grow us in your word, to grow us in peace and patience and kindness and all of the, the attributes that you have for us. I pray that we would grow in these things and not be distracted from pursuing these things. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.